Ready to build better benefits that maximize employee wellness? Join Infirmary Health and Rx Benefits June 4th ASHRA webinar as they discuss actionable advice for developing pharmacy programs with your pharmacy resources, how to build internal and external partnerships that boost employee wellness, and what pharmacy trends could impact future benefit design for all HR leaders. Register today. To learn more about Rx Benefits, visit employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in show notes. Asher listeners, welcome to this episode of the Asher Podcast. We are back live in Savannah, Georgia, at the Asher Executive Summit. We always love doing the live interviews because it's just great to be together in person and be able to talk to people uh, without looking at them on a screen. So for this episode, we have an amazing guest. We're joined by Kelly Hurt. She's the Vice President of Human Resources for McLeod Health out of South Carolina. Primary locations are in South Carolina. Um, and she's here for the summit to learn and to share with you our amazing audience. So let's welcome Kelly to the show. Kelly, kick us off and just kind of tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. So I am very happy to be here at the Asher Summit and be happy to participating on this podcast today. So I have um, about 25 years of human resources experience, all of it in healthcare. Um, probably about the last 18 of it at the executive level where I've had responsibility of strategy and planning and things of that nature um, to really help drive workforce in a very different direction. And um, certainly as we, we continue to evolve our workforce and have to think about the future and knowing our workforce is very challenged, especially coming out of the pandemic, um, and what do we need to do differently to make sure we're prepared to take care of patients in the future? That's fantastic. There's a lot packed into that. Yeah, a lot. there's a ton packed into that. Right. Yeah. Kick us off, Luke. All right. So tell us a little. We were chatting beforehand here, and you were talking about two different paths that you have for your pipeline development and recruiting. And I'm, I'm definitely not going to articulate it as well as you did, so we're going to let you do that. But it was fascinating to me because while I was listening, I was like, you know, health systems should be doing it this way, but the majority of them are not. Typically, it's every man or woman for themselves. Everyone's got a full stack of, you know, wrecks that they need to work through. Oh, and by the way, it's probably like 200 wrecks at a time. And they've, they're in a rut of becoming schedulers and coordinators. And what you were describing to me seemed like a path out of that. So would you mind sharing with us what you're working on and how you implemented this and just how it's going? Absolutely. So at McLeod, we have been very intentional about separating the group that focuses on bringing in the workforce ready people that are ready to go today. So that is our whole recruiting talent acquisition team. And they really do look for the people that we can hire and plug into our vacancies that are ready to go. Maybe, you know, may need some training, but are ready to go workforce. Sure. What we have done though, is we have completely separate workforce development team. There are six individuals that make up that team. And, and through the work of the workforce development team, we have really aligned ourselves more strategically with the technical schools, with even the four-year universities in our area. And, and just really put the focus on what does our future talent pipeline look like? How do we not just focus on those that are ready to work now, but who can be ready to work in the future? We, we've gotten into the high schools to help the high school students understand what working in healthcare means. Healthcare is a city in a city. We talk about it all day long. The number of positions that it takes, it's not just clinical. We have non-clinical. We have engineering. We have IT, accounting. 
what are all the things that make a hospital or a health system run? And so that's what the workforce development team is out there doing as they are making sure that we have the talent pipeline we're going to need in the future to be able to continue to take care of our patients. Oh, that's cool. So what, what tools are they using? Like what trick, what tricks do they have up their sleeve? Are we calling candidates? We're obviously going to events. Are we looking at, does this also include like marketing spend, jobs, postings? I'm, my mind is thinking like, it's kind of like a sales setup where you have your dialers and the meeting setters, and then they push them over to the recruitment team. What tools are the workforce development folks using? A lot of it is just being there and being visible at the schools. So we have great relationships with local high schools, um, the school districts. We have great partnerships with, like I said, with the technical schools and with the four-year universities. We partner a lot with the state of South Carolina and the South Carolina Hospital Association to get involved in a lot of the workforce development efforts that they have at the state level that they're trying to assist with down through the health systems. Um, But it is, we are always visible in, you know, just talking about specifically with RNs, we get in front of them as they're coming in to their first semester. We get continue to get in front of them throughout. And then towards the very end, when they're getting ready to graduate, getting back in front of them, um, Mm. trying to help figure out, you know, they're they're thinking, where am I going to commit to? What's the health system I'm going to? And Mm. we just want to make sure that we always have that in front of them visibility to keep McLeod in front of them, um, to make sure that they know what we have to offer. We're a six hospital health system in South Carolina. Um, and so it's not just the, the main hospital in Florence, but we're at the coast and we have rural facilities. And so we just want to make sure everybody knows what we have to offer as a health system. Sure. What's the reporting structure? Workforce development report to talent acquisition? How does it work? So there is a director of recruiting and workforce development. So she has the recruiting team and then she has a workforce development team. And then she reports up to another vice president in the human resources department. Um, so we, we have that whole, the whole kind of section of human resources then Mm -hmm. that is really focused and that director and that vice president are actually both registered nurses oh awesome and so they understand that whole world and in fact the director came up having worked through mcleod as a nursing director Um, she came into human resources several years ago she she knows mcleod she knows the recruiting environment she knows the challenges our, our nursing directors are facing and so she can speak the language of all aspects of our health system and does that director keep those functions separate? And I asked that question because I've seen in, in other organizations where you separate functions like that, but then depending upon the processes, the, the systems you put in place to really support that and make them both work, um, there, had, there had been tendencies where then one, you know, Rob Peter to pay Paul like I don't have enough recruiters, so I'm going to take from my workforce development team and put them over here. Well, then you're not have the, you don't have the workforce development going the way you want it to go because you keep taking from them to fill over here, or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like then you ask the question and you, you challenge the leadership: Did you really separate them, or did you not separate them? So, so these two groups are very separate. That's I cool. mean, they they I are like separate that. in terms of we don't pull from workforce development to recruit, and we yeah. don't pull from recruiting to go do workforce development. They Good. have their own individual positions on both teams, and both teams collaborate. And then we pull in our chief nursing officers in our hospitals, and we pull in our marketing department. And so we work very collaboratively just within HR between those two teams, and then and all of the the different aspects of the health system where we definitely need to be aligned with everybody else and having their 
input. So our CNOs, we even have physicians recently who have, have requested being able to go with our workforce development team to the schools to be able to get in front of the nursing students. So cool. it's very collaborative. Yeah, I like that. How big of a, a pipeline or a funnel is that? Is that creating a, enough of a swell for you? Because I'm now I'm comparing it for the listeners. I want to compare it to a health system that does nothing. All right, they're just responding to job postings, which, by the way, is totally a strategy. It's been uh, tried and done throughout the past decade. Uh, what kind of swell have you seen from this, and does it give everyone a head start? So we have what we call med surge techs. A lot of health systems may call them a patient care tech, a patient care assistant, but it's basically the technical support on our inpatient units for our nurses. And so we actually created a program working with local technical college on an MST fast track program. And we have, and it was an upskilling program, you know, kind of a, again, it goes back to our workforce development efforts. And so we actually have had so many people come through that program that we really? have filled all of our MST positions. And now we're trying to figure out how to reskill the people we upskilled to maybe into like a nursing assistant role yes. to start wow. plugging some of the gaps in our clinics. Yes. Fantastic. I yeah. love it. Well, that's the direction all of healthcare has to take. We, we talk about it all the time, but it's the, the health system is a mirror of that individual community. And it's not like a tech company where you can say, oh, let's go grab virtual people somewhere else like sometimes it's hard to recruit in healthcare because there's nobody to recruit in an area so it becomes imperative to build those folks that you need and guess what they're there in the community you just have to be there and show them that path and show them the opportunity so i love what you're doing and i'm I'm not surprised it's working yes i mean it's all about upskilling reskilling those that you've upskilled people have a lot of energy and a lot of drive and people want to grow and develop and we feel as a health system we have a responsibility to help make or help people make you know their their figure out what their life pattern wants to look like what their journey should be what works best for them and how do we support that yes yes 100 percent. awesome well i want to uh transition to is what a newer one of my new favorite parts of the podcast that we call what would you do and we got bo i got a saucy one for kelly today oh, kelly are you ready for the I'm saucy ready. one bring the saucy one on all right this is this by the way we we fully realize this is a no win scenario like i'm not giving you one where you're like hey here's how you do it and here's how you walk through it and do this and you'll be fine there is not going to be a okay you'll be fine answer to what i'm about to throw at you all right so here we are so Executive team. We'll start at the C-suite, right? Pick a, let's say, chief administrative officer, right? The CAO has a new executive assistant. She has been there for about six weeks. There are zero performance issues. Everyone's really impressed with her at the organization. CEO walks out of his office one day and sees her working there and realizes this is a woman that he had an affair with previously, and his wife is aware of said affair. He approaches HR and says, that person cannot work here. This is going to obviously create a lot of trouble for me in my personal life, and they need to be gone. I'm not asking. This is what needs to happen. Kelly, this comes to your your plate. What, uh, what do you do? 
That is a saucy one. Saucy. Saucy. Very yeah. saucy. Yes. And unfortunately, probably a little too relevant to a lot of people who may be listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, so, and I would honestly say I've actually had a situation very similar, not at McLeod, but really? across my desk in a previous health system that I work for. Um, so, you know, the reality of it is, is it is very risky um, to, to start to bring personal life issues into the work environment. And it is really, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of convincing. And certainly there's politics involved, especially when you start getting into your C-suite level people um, to, to draw the boundary to say, I get that this is going to be very uncomfortable and potentially very awkward and cause problems, but we've got to be able to, to have that boundary where we say this happened with your personal life and we cannot bring it into the work environment. Now, a lot of times we all know that that doesn't just necessarily land with the CEO and everybody just moves on with their business and the CEO may just continue to tend to push that. And I would say from an HR perspective, we have an obligation to be that neutral person to be able to to protect the employee from from some sort of adverse action because of something that happened outside the four walls of a work environment. And um, so for me... If, you know, if that's, if this came across my desk, it would be working with the CEO to help that CEO, CEO to understand, you know, we, we're not going to take a, a personnel related human resources type action against this employee for something that did not happen inside of this work environment and, and just really help that back and forth dialogue and what can we do to make sure that it doesn't have necessarily negative impact on the CEO that this person works there, but also for that individual to understand that, you know, you don't want them to come in feeling very uncomfortable in the work environment. Also no, you know, it doesn't take long for the rumor mill to get stirred up, especially in a hospital. Oh yeah. And so, you know, at some point in time, that individual is going to realize that that conversation has been had. And so HR has an obligation to be that neutral source kind of balancing out the needs and the wants and the desires of everybody, including your C-suite level people. And it gets very, very complicated. Yeah, it does. So, so yeah, go if ahead. we continue that scenario, because it's saucy and it's, oh, not, it saucy. it's, yeah. not, e- it's not easy by any, any stretch, right? So right. You, have, you go through that process, you have the conversation, the person stays employed by the company, CEO seemed to understand what you were telling them that obviously I agree that's wrong. Um, but he still knows he has, he or she still knows the CEO knows they have a, they have a problem at home, right? You have no control over, over his wife at home, what she says, what she says in the community, how that comes back, how that may even initiate the whole gossip chain, right? Starts, creeps back into the organization. Maybe, um, maybe the CEO didn't like what you told them. Wasn't happy, didn't like being challenged for whatever reason, right? And you start to witness over time a lack of support for HR or the CEO wanting to be more engaged, right? Get Mm -hmm. some more direct control Mm -hmm. over human resources that they didn't do before. And you know in your heart that this all goes back to that one issue. So now what do you do? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you registered for ASHRAE's June 4th webinar yet? Attend Optimizing Employee Wellness, How Infirmary Health Aligned HR and Pharmacy for Better Benefits, and Earn a CEU. So I think in terms of the the easiest way to manage through a situation like this is knowing if you have a very broken relationship with your CEO, 
that first and foremost is going to cause this situation to be very challenging to work through. So that's where it's very important to have human resources at the table, Mm -hmm. having that strong relationship with the rest of the C-suite, because in this situation specifically, if you've got a strong relationship, a trusting relationship with your CEO, it, it probably won't go to that level. Now I will say and where I've had this situation come across my desk before, like I said, not at McLeod, but in, in another health system, we did actually work with the employee about the possibility of being reassigned to a different role within the health system. So not a complete termination, but how can we put some distance? And it was completely acceptable to that employee because we actually had the spouse of the executive come in the building and caused quite a saucy scene. Oh, yeah, this I very bet. saucy this is situation. The yes, we're going right, for. right. And so <laughs> we we had to figure out how to put some distance there. So I think you know you you definitely have to try. In my opinion, you need to try to to really work to keep the boundary, the professional and the personal boundary there. And when it doesn't work, then you've got to look at what your other options are. And that shouldn't necessarily be just go right for termination of that employee. But is there an opportunity? in collaboration with that employee to try and find something else that they can do that maybe puts some distance between them and that person. I got it. It's a good answer. So what I'm uh, deducing from this is like, so the, the options are one, you got to option one is to make it okay for all parties involved. If you can get them. Okay. You should be in the clear, right? If you can work with the CEO plan B is where it gets a little bit gray. Cause it sounds like the health system's taking a hit regardless yes. at that point, because if I'm playing this out in my head, if I'm the assistant and I get approached with, you know, Hey, reassign you, here's what's going on. First thing I'm saying is, uh, uh-uh, uh, you know, cause I'm going to, I'm going to smell that right. on the health system that, okay. We're trying to do something to, yeah. to deal with this situation. I'm holding yeah. all the cards right now. And, um, Yeah. Ah, oh, this is the so gray at, at area. Point, HR, I know, wow! At, I know because it gets it gets. And that is that is what HR fast. HR has become a very gray environment. Um, just you know, society has continued to evolve. There's it's very litigious, um, and it feels like a lot of decisions that we have to make these days. Yeah. The, the, you know, you go down this road, there's risk. You go down this road, there's risk. Those are your two decision points. Which one has the least amount of risk involved? Yeah. yeah. At what point? At what point? Because it's the, because it's the CEO, right? CEO reports to the board. At what point does the board get informed of what's happening with their CEO? So mm. I guess I personally kind of feel like that is a very last resort. I always hate having to pull the board into that kind of level of a personnel issue because I feel like, you know, most boards want to be able to stay at the very strategic level. Although CEOs are direct reports to the board, that's a very operational issue. Yeah. Um, so it's my goal to always not have to take something like that to a board. But, you know, at the end of the day, if it continues to be a constant push by that CEO yeah. that that person be fired then you may not have a choice. So what happens if you make one one change to that scenario and the affair between the CEO and that and that person happened while she was an employee and not prior to Ooh, the, the organization hiring her. Ooh, that's a totally consensual. Yeah. Yes. 100% it's not there's no sexual harassment complaints but it, it was a consensual thing. They stopped, they voluntarily stopped the affair but it came out and or the wife when the wife finds out then there's a demand in the home front. Rest of the scenario is the same, but now you now you have and it happened while they're both employees in the organization. 
Well, I don't know that how I would handle it would necessarily change, um, even though it happened inside the four walls, because you still have a consensual relationship that happened. Yeah. yeah. When you start to enter in, one person did not consent. The other one was making advances. You have sexual yeah. harassment issues. Different. That completely changes the dynamic of what you're going to do. But yeah. when you have a consensual relationship, it went south. Spouse found out. You have all those outside of work dynamics still in play. It still borders on where you're drawing the personal life, professional life boundary. Yeah. The interesting part in changing that dynamic to me, which I believe there would be a multitude of responses sometimes, um, would be if you make the decision and you move the EA, even if the EA agrees to move and you, you create the distance, nobody gets fired, right? That even in the scenario of an EA, if the EA did not agree, right, but, but you move them anyways, right? It seems like now you may get into the litigation type of arena where you took action. She may, may feel like you took action against me. Why didn't you take action That's against right. the CEO? That's right. Right? It gets super hairy. It does. Really, really fast. Saucy. 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 Yeah. It, it does. It, you know, you when you take action against one person and not the other when they were both consenting adult individuals into yeah. whatever that behavior was, um, then it becomes, a, I'm the executive assistant, that person's the CEO, so you took the side of the CEO and made me do something different. Yeah. I basically lost my, That's my right. job. I That's had right. to go do some other jobs. Yeah. CEO didn't have to go do some other job. That's right. Right? Yes. Wow. I love this segment. This, this segment, segment is great. Like, Kelly, I hope your phone rings one day and some, <laughs> it's another healthcare HR professional. Hey, we heard you. Yeah, yeah we heard you. And um, I have that exact same thing going down right now. So, And it's uh, hard. It's hard to have to go toe to toe with a CEO sometimes who is very, uh, this is how this is going to happen. And you you have to, as an HR professional, CHRO, VP of HR, you have to n- know how to stand your ground with them sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. it probably won't be like listeners, like if you're thinking like, oh, the CEO is going to come and talk to me about it. Yeah. Let's think about the worst scenario. What if you don't talk to them very often and it is a straight up direct email giving you an order on what to do coming through? From I think, this, you know, yeah, absolutely. But I think you, you nailed it. The most important part of all of that before you even get to that point, like having to stand toe to toe with the CEO, or even another executive, right? Mm-hmm. Or a supervisor is that you've built relationships good working trusting relationships Mm -hmm. they have confidence in you you have confidence in them it makes going to them and having that hard conversation in my opinion in my experience a very different yeah that's right a very different experience than if if it's a broken relationship and now you feel very combative both sides are combative in this engagement versus kelly what's happening tell me what you're talking what you're thinking or what's happening fill me in and you can fill them in and then their response is different because they, they know you. They have a relationship with you. They know it's coming from the best place in you right. that this is a problem and I just want to help fix this problem. That's right. For the betterment of the organization mm-hmm. and everybody involved. Mm-hmm. That's a way different conversation than when it's broken. The importance, we've talked about this before, the importance of HR building relationships with the C-suite, marketing, logistics, operations, right? It's so important. Got to get out of your... You can't stay in your HR bubble. Can't be siloed. Right. You got all that collaboration is super important these days, especially you've got to be able to work with all the the different leaders of different areas of a health system because they're, you know, everybody has needs that look different from somebody else. And you, you have to understand what those needs are and you have to understand where that leader may be coming from and, and help develop the strategy collaboratively instead of HR just saying, nope, this is how we're going to do it or nope, this is how we've always done it, which... 
you know, those are the words that drive me crazy is, you know, it's status quo where we do it this way because we've always done it that way. Well, that may not be the best way these days. That's the truth. That's the truth. Well, Kelly, this has been absolutely amazing. We can't thank you enough for being on here. Your responses were spot on. I think every segment of this episode is truly going to help people, uh, you know, especially with the workforce development and the recruiting and the exciting things you're doing at McLeod. And your feedback on the uh, crazy situation we gave you was, uh, I think, pretty darn spot on. Uh, listeners, if you have further questions, feel free to reach out to myself or Bo or hit up Kelly if you want to know, like, hey, what, what would Kelly do, which is could be it's a segment in its own, hey, right? That could, that could be fun. What yeah. would Kelly do? Yes. Yeah, what yeah. would Kelly do? And we always encourage you, you know, hit up Bo and I. Share your own stories and topics. If there's a topic you want us to cover, let us know. If you have your own little saucy story that you want us to, to be featured on What Would You Do? We promise we won't divulge any names or witnesses or organizations involved. And you just might get to hear your story on there with a professional like Kelly telling you the right way to handle it. Anything else you want to add on before we jump? I don't think so. All right. Cool. Well, you're amazing. Please enjoy the rest of the time in Savannah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Asher Nation, that's a wrap. Still listening? Save your seat for the upcoming June 4th ASHRA webinar with RX Benefits and Infirmary Health today. Questions for the speakers? Send them ahead of time to ashra.edu at ashra.org.